This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner. It is entitled Today from the book of Hebrews and also from Psalms. Feel free to check us out on our website where you can find all of our archived Shabbat messages. You can also subscribe to them if you want to get them uh, through podcasts via wherever you get your podcast provider. And you can also Subscribe to my dad's weekly essays that he writes on our website. If you put your email in the email subscribe box, those will get sent right to you every week. And as usual, our music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. And on a final note, we are if you're listening to this real time, in May of 2019, we are still not meeting in the church building. Not sure when that's going to happen. You can uh, stay tuned to that if you check out what's... Uh, our website says. And uh, yeah, as usual, enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does Alrighty, okay, let's get started. Um, appreciate all the kids being quiet. You have to do this for a little bit longer. Um, glad you're here today. Glad we can fellowship and worship. Um, we're going to look at a couple passages today. So I'll tell you where to turn. You can go to Hebrews 4 and then put a finger, put a finger there and go back to uh, Psalm 95. Hebrews 4, Psalm 95. We'll pray in a second when everybody gets there. All right, so Hebrews 4, Psalm 95. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Shabbat and uh, just that we can get together and it helps us to refocus on our priorities, who we are as a people, um, focus around your word. And as I always think of it, it hits a reset button. And I pray, Father, that you'll just bless, that you'll be glorified, that we'll uplift our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Make your word live in our hearts. Whatever the needs are today, I have to believe there's something here, at least something for somebody. So bless. Thank you for the blessing that has been mine in putting this together. And help me uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit to just... Oh, say it how it needs to be said and communicate what needs to be communicated. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right, so let's start with Psalm 95. So I've entitled this just one word, today, T-O-D-Y. And I'm starting this by saying, you need to hear me today. And I, I really do mean that. Um, I need you to listen, pay attention. I'll try to not be as wordy as I normally am. All right, so we're going to start reading in Psalm 95. And the reason we are is because this is the passage of Scripture that is quoted in Hebrews 4. Most believe that David wrote this, and good evidence is Hebrews 4, 7. It says, as it says in David. But sometimes that's just a designation for a whole section of the psalm. So under the heading of David. So David may have written it, he may not have. Most that I've researched uh, feel that he has. It's somewhat immaterial, but if I say David wrote and you're thinking differently, just, just bear with me, okay? 
All right, I want us to read this psalm, and then we'll go to uh, <laughs> Hebrews. All right. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. All right, so that's kind of taken God in the past. And, and now the psalmist is going to bring it into the present. So we're told about God. We're told about what he's done. But the fact is, David is trying to bring the people that are now in connection with the past. And to realize that the same God that has always been God, he's always God in the today of where we are. So verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his shepherd. Today... If ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that, that do err in the heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. So David's making the connection today. Our God's the same God today as he was back then, which is the same connection, go to Hebrews, that our writer in Hebrews is trying to get us to see. God is not the God of the way back then. God is not the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. God is ever-present. He, he is uh, uh, omnipresent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, so... I want us to have this in our mind that today, now, when we live, all that is written, all that is here is relevant for us, and, and God is our same God now as he was then. All right. Uh, let me say, just by way of shameless plug, and I don't know why I just thought about this, if you haven't read my blog for today, go to the website, uh, zionhebraicongregation.com and uh, looking blogs and then all essays and it's a, one of the first ones is going to say assessment john adams because a lot of what he wrote back then in this you'll see it in the letter to his wife is is um still applicable today and i was so amazed at how what he said is almost unfolding almost prophetically right now in the timeline of history so Anyway, that, that's just a little bit of blurb for that. All right, now we're going to read Hebrews 4. I'll give you my outline. I'm going to make my comments, and we'll just go through this. I'm not going to go verse by verse in this talking, but I do want to highlight a few things. So we're taking Psalm 95 from the past. That God that was a God prior to the psalmist that wrote it was the same God for the psalmist right then and that same today, and now this is our same today we're reading about now. All right, Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although... The works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place 
of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Here's our passage. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David... Oh, you know what? Um, well, this is good I'm reading this anyway. We're going to back up. In David... Uh, sorry, verse 7. Again he limiteth in, in a certain day, saying in David today... After so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And then he goes on and talking about Joshua. Sorry for my disconnectedness. All right, go back to Hebrews 3. And the reason is I got on chapter 4. All right, Hebrews 3. We're going to see the same thing, but I want to focus on Hebrews 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Here it is again. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So, we see that uh, they could not enter in because of unbelief. So I'm glad I read 4 anyway. I debated whether or not to go there. My mind was stuck there. So we're going to look at Hebrews 3 on this idea of today. All right. As I've said, David in Psalm uh, 95 was looking to the past and David drew implication and application for his today. He looked back, he saw what the children of Israel did, how they tested and tempted God, and yet the same God that was their God, David is saying, is my God today, that the Hebrews writer is saying is their God today and he's our God today. So if he's the same God all the time, the implication and application is a little different maybe in each era, but it's still basically the same because it's the same God. And our God is our, their God was our God and he does not change. And so I like that. Now, I know I'm going fast because I'm trying to do this as quickly as I can because of 
just everybody who's here. All right, let me give you my outline. We're not going to necessarily even look at it, but I have to do this when I'm looking at a passage so I can wrap my head around the whole thing and try to make a point succinctly. All right, here's my outline, chapter 3. Point number one, Christ is superior. That's verses 1 through 6. And, and I love that the author lays it out that way. Well, how is he superior? He's superior as the apostle and high priest of our profession. He's superior to Moses, and he's superior as the creator and builder. So, so he's, he's, he's wanting us to see that, in essence, that our Savior is deity, that he is God, that he is divine. So Christ is superior. That's verses 1 through 6 in chapter 3. He's superior to the apostles, as apostle and high priest of our profession. He's superior to Moses, superior as the creator and builder. All right. What does that mean to us? That's the rest of the chapter, basically 7 through 18. What's it mean that Christ is superior? And how does that fit with what the uh, writer is saying in Hebrews 3? All right. What does it mean to us? First off, we are to learn from our forefathers of the past, and that's verse 9. Please hang with me if you can. Verse 9, Wherefore your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. So what's that mean to us? We have to go back to our forefathers. We have to realize that we who are alive and have children are going to be somebody's forefathers. We're carrying on a, a, a realm of biblical truth from generation to generation. And we have to learn from the mistakes of our forefathers. We have to learn from the mistake of my father and my grandfathers who were lost. I have to try with God's help, since I now am saved in the first generation, to be the best father that I can be, though I'm not going to be all I should be, but in hopes of that one day my kids and grandkids will look back and say, he was my forefather. All right, so we have to learn from our forefathers of the past. That's what that means to us. Second of all, we have to learn to examine our own heart. And I don't think we like to do that, or we don't do much of it. I'm making assumptions here, just bear with me. But we have to learn, examine our own heart. And he mentions this several times. A heart, harden not your hearts, in verse 8. Verse 10, uh, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, said they do always err in their heart and have not known my ways. Verse 10, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. Oh, I already said that. Did I read verse 8? Oh, yeah, 8, 10. That was 10. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And verse 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. All right. When I see something repeated like that, God does, God does, he's not like me, forgets what he's supposed to say and say, and did I say it, and repeats himself several times. This is in this chapter, in relation to Christ being superior, how it should impact us, how we should learn from our forefathers, then it becomes personal to us. I have to daily examine my heart. We have to all examine our hearts, see what the condition is. Anyway, I don't want to go too far in that. All right. The third thing of what it means to us is we need to take it a day at a time today. All right. Um, I got to slow down because if I don't, I'm going to burn myself out. We have to take it a day at a time. Anybody screw up yesterday or a couple of days in the past? Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Okay, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. Doesn't mean you ignore it, but we have to learn from our mistakes. We have to learn from our yesterdays. But what about tomorrow? Will I make the same mistake again? What I do? Uh, yeah, tomorrow. I don't know. Trust God. Will you make the same mistake? Quite possibly. Will you be the same, forgive my language, the same crappy father tomorrow that you were yesterday? Maybe so. But if we can learn to examine our hearts and allow God to penetrate our hearts through His Word, we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we will become more conformed to Him. But unless we're willing to lay bare our hearts before God, I'm going to try to explain how we can do that a little bit later on, we are going to be like our forefathers, doing the same stupid thing over and over and over. And once you start having kids, and all of a sudden, if you had the light bulb gone like I did, wow, my kids are just being just like I was when they were like 10, 11, 12, or 13. Sometimes you don't even realize how you are passing yourself along to your own child until it kind of rears its head. And as I was yelling at the kids, what are you doing? And it's like, bing, I saw myself. And, 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 and until I can learn to bring my heart in harmony with the Word of God to see what I am and what I may be potentially passing on, we will continue to pass it on. Oh, that's why the Word of God is so important. All right, so take it one day at a time. So that's verse 7, our verse, for the Holy Ghost saith it today if you hear his voice. It's also in uh, verse 13. It brings it down to the daily. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. And then again, verse 15. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. Take it a day at a time. I'm the worst offender in this. I live in the mistakes of the past and I fear what the heck is going to happen in the future and I don't, and I lose out the moments of that day. I heard Chuck Swindoll say years ago when I had my first thing, a chance or happened to hear his thing, he said, don't rob yourself of today's joys worrying about tomorrow's fears. And I thought that was so good. And that's what we have to do. All right, so take it day at a time. All right, so that's um, those verses there. And then finally, in the outline, rest in the finished work of Christ. Rest in the finished work of Christ. Verse 14 tells us that we are uh, made partakers of Christ. All right, now, that's the outline. So what I did, and, and I, I want to, I actually didn't think of it until right this moment. What I want to do is try to show you how you can read the Word of God yourself. Slow it down and meditate and ponder upon it so God can do His work in your heart. Now, I don't always do this like I did this week, and this is where I am. I'm in Hebrews 3 and 4, and this was out of my own devotions. I hit chapter 3 and verse 7. It hit me, and I said, I'm going to slow down and ponder this word by word by word by word. I learned that from George Mueller. He said in his autobiography, if any of you have never read it, it's very good. He said that after 15 years of doing what he wrote in this book, he said, I can tell you the validity and importance of meditating upon the Word of God, word at a time, phrase at a time, verse at a time, but meditate upon it. You know, we don't even read it. I'm trying to get people to just read it, but then to read it and meditate upon it. Woo. And I don't do this for every verse, but sometimes they'll jump out and they will for you. And that's when God is trying to get a hold of your heart as he did mine. So you're going to get a regurgitation of what happened for me. All right? So, I broke it down. First of all, um, today, I kind of said already, 
But wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, verse 7, today. And I'll repeat it again because it's in my notes and we'll get through it. God isn't just a God of back then. He's the same God of our today. God speaks in every generation. God is ever present yesterday, today, and forever. We need to, therefore, forget about our yesterdays, forgetting those things which are behind, and we need to not worry about our tomorrow. Take no thought for the morrow. We're to live daily today and give us this day our daily bread. That's all in this idea of today. He's our God today. He's given us today. Yesterday's over. I might be dead tomorrow. So we need to live in the ever presence of this day. Take no thought for tomorrow. Focusing on what God has given us in his word and what we're doing and how God's interacting in our lives and what God is trying to teach us and show us each day. And learn to just suck the marrow out of each day as we are living in our communion with our Heavenly Father throughout the day. All right. As today. See, we're going to get through this quickly. Today, if. All right. If is a conditional word. It's conditional. If is conditional. It's conditional upon our willingness and our readiness to hear and respond. I hate the fact that God has to even say an if. But there's ifs all throughout scriptures. Read it. There's ifs, ifs, ifs when he's talking to his people. And it just penetrates my heart. It crushes my heart to think that God would have to say, Warren, if you'll do this. It should be, hey, Warren, I know you're going to do this. That's really great. But he has to throw in ifs. But the if lets us know that he has made a conditional. We have to see and then choose to respond. So today, if, what, if what? If ye will. So, it's just, I, just, I hope you can at least get an idea how to do this. Wherefore, meditate on that word. I'll get to the Holy Ghost in a minute. Today, Father, what the heck does that mean? What am I, I'm here today in your word. What, what is it you have for me? Okay, if. Uh, I hate that, God. I'm sorry that I'm rebellious. I'm sorry that I don't yield. I'm sorry I'm not submissive. I'm sorry that I'm more like Yeshua. But thank you that you keep giving me every day an opportunity to freshly submit my will to you. Please do your work in my life today. And that's exactly what goes through me. So today, if. All right, God, if. We settle that one. If ye will hear. It's a matter of the will. If ye will hear. It's a matter of the will, our submissiveness. If we'll submit our will to him, then God can communicate with us in such a way that we'll be able to hear from him and respond. Let me say it again. If we will submit our will to him, then God can communicate with us in such a way that we'll be able to hear from him and respond. It's almost as if God is crying out to us, when will you hear me? When will you listen to me? And you know how you, you can tell that? It's because are, are, are you still the same today as like you were maybe three years ago? Ah, what's the problem? We're not hearing. God speaks fresh every day. Our daily bread, it's fresh every single day. So it's a matter of submitting our will to him. All right. If you will hear his voice. Um, if you will hear his voice. So the word here, back in Psalm 95, is what would you think the word here would be? Shema. Shema. Luke tells us what Shema means. 
To hear and appropriately appropriately respond. He's not just saying, oh, please listen to me. He's saying, sit up, put both feet on the floor, back straight, listen to me, and what was the second part? Respond appropriately. If ye will shema. Wow, there's a lot to that. Are you hearing from God? Are, Are you responding appropriately? All right, I got to keep moving. If you will hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know if you thought about it, but my sheep hear my voice. Every time I read that and other passages like that, it's like, okay, yes, I understood right then, Jesus, when Yeshua, when you were living, those people right then and there that were speaking to you heard your voice. But I also believe it has greater ramifications. I need to be hearing from him today. I'm still his people. I'm still his child. I'm his sheep. He's my shepherd. My people, my sheep hear my voice. That's how I look at it. It's like, oh, you know, because don't you say, man, I wish I was there when Yeshua was there and I could have be, been there and actually heard him. Well, yes, that would have been great, but they were a mess. <laughs> they were a mess. They walked with him, heard him talk, saw the miracles he did, heard him every day audibly, and they were still a disaster. So that's why God said, hey, you know what? I give you this whole book here. And this whole book was Yeshua speaking anyway. It's Yeshua speaking anyway to his people from day one. Well, he's still speaking. So, my people, uh, my sheep hear my voice. We can hear God's voice today. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. There's not a morning that doesn't go by. I have a set of verses that I pray every single day. They're basically from the Psalms that are prayer verses where I don't sit there and say, thank you, God, that today I can hear from you and that we can commune and you can speak to me through your word. I can pray in it and through it while I'm reading it. I can ask the Holy Spirit to help me. Father, I'm always in awe that every day I open this book and I've been saved how many years now? Since 73, how many ever years that is? Again, if I've missed, and this is because God knows I'm a disaster, not because I'm anything wonderful. I've missed a month of days maybe, say six months. Because I know the wreck that I am. I know the help that I need. I don't want to be stuck yesterday. I want to be better tomorrow. So that means today is this day. God, what do you have for me? And this is where I am. Hebrews 4. It's like, ah, thank you, Father. We can hear God's voice today. That's the whole point. He's still, pe- still speaking through his word today. Not audibly, though I'm not denying the possibility of that because I know our varying backgrounds, and I'm not going to argue that. Would I love to hear God's voice? Yeah. Have I heard testimony where God spoke? Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm not going to argue that. But I am saying you can still hear his voice today in his word. So he's still speaking through his word today. Maybe not audibly, but in and through his written word. All right. Fourth under uh, second, continuing on. So here's my question: Are you hearing his voice? Are you hearing his voice? I mean, seriously, people, are we hearing God's voice? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, not audibly, but are you hearing it? Are you hearing that still small voice? Are you there at the source where He communicates to us so that communication can go on, and you'll hear, oh. Verse 7, I'm stopping there today. Oh, God, let me hear from you. What do you have for me here today? Change me. So are you hearing his voice? Did you hear it today? 
Did you hear today? No, getting ready for Shabbat, had a ton of things to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I get it, I get it, I get it. But George Mueller said, and finally Luke's saying it as well, you know, George Mueller's... George Mueller said he would go to bed at 10 o'clock so that he could be up at 4 every morning and nothing would get in the way of when he goes to bed and when he gets up to meet with God. He gave himself six hours. He could take naps during the day, and he did. But he purposed in his heart that that was going to be the focal point of his life every single day of his life, and he did it. And he did it. He said he'd wake up in the morning, and, 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 it, and, it, and it, in the book is spelled alarm clock, A L. Alarum, A-A-U-R-U-M. The alarum would go off and he'd duck his head into a, 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 a pail of cold water to sh wake him up. You know, that's dedication. You know, that's, I have to do this to meet with God. And we wonder why we remember, you won't ever remember me, but a George Mueller. Okay, look to our forefathers. The same God that he had in his today is our God today. We'll learn from him. What did he do? You know, how, how come God used him? What made him a vessel? We might not be the vessel today, but maybe we can impact our kids or our grandkids. Uh, John MacArthur, third generation preacher. Anybody know his grandfather? No. Anybody know his father? Very few, only because of John MacArthur. But John, three generations. Dr. Bob... The third people said he was almost exactly like Dr. Bob, the first, senior. But there was a senior, junior, and a third. It's got to pass on. <sighs> and we can still hear his voice today. And George Mueller decided, I'm going to dunk my head in a bucket in cold water because I, it's vitally important I meet with God today. All right. Now, okay, finishing up. All right, so... Let's go back to the Holy Ghost. There, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, this is all a supernatural endeavor. If you say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and do it, you know, it's like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Ever been there, done that? Yeah, you're doing great. Blah, 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 you pit her out. Okay. I'm going to get up tomorrow and start meeting with God. And you need to set goals like this where you will make a time and the whole world stops when you meet with God. But you know what? It has to be a supernatural work. It has to be something that God helps us to do. The Holy Spirit of God needs to empower us to be faithful to Him. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. So this is a supernatural endeavor. We can't do it on our own. We, can't, we cannot sustain it in our own strength. We need help. As the Holy Ghost saith, the Holy Spirit was working back then, and the Holy Spirit will and is working for us today. Conclusion, two parts. I'm doing actually pretty good, huh? All right, Let, I'm going to have to read this. Conclusion, part one. If we don't hear from God daily, and this is, based, this is my summation of what is going on in Hebrews 3. If we don't hear from God daily, we will increase our risk of the hardening of our spiritual receptors. I'm going to say it again. If we don't hear from God daily, we will increase our risk of the hardening of our spiritual receptors. You need to be in tune with God. It's like once your muscles start getting retrained again, they, they build this automatic whatever it is. I don't know how, how that... Synapse. Yeah, so that they work. It comes through, you know, constantly doing that. And so if, if we're not in the Word of God, our muscles are going to... Chris, where are you? Chris, you know, that hill I had you going up and run, I hadn't done that in like three years or more. 
So I just got to, you know, because I, I do my exercise bike downstairs. And I just had the desire, you know, go out here and up whatever. With the, what's that? Amoskeg. It's like, you know, I said, hey, Chris, see, if, we were out walking again. See if you can do it. Well, no problem. Well, you know, it used to be no problem for me. And then I'd run the whole thing, which is like two and a half miles or whatever it is. So I thought, what the heck, I'll try tomorrow. Where am I going with this? Muscles, don't want to forget. Rebuilding the muscles. So I walked, and because I haven't run in a long time, I've been doing this, my exercise bike. So I get, I walk, I walk, and then I run and run. <laughs> and then I take a little bit of break. And I run tomorrow, oh, okay, I'm doing better. And then I get to the bottom of that stupid hill. It's like, oh, crap, that hill. So I start. And I say, okay, Warren, you're not where you used to be. Just cool it, and you are going to be 66. So be happy with what you do, and just don't die. And so I get up there, start going. I make it to one of the very first, I don't know if it's the first mailbox right up there. I'm walking and I say, okay. But I walk a little bit. I make it to the next one. Okay, good. And then finally I make it to the top. I had to walk a little bit towards the end to the stop sign. But when I got to that part, I ran the whole way back to the house. Oh, my muscles are feeling it. What was my point? The receptors, our spiritual receptors. It's the same thing. I told my wife, I'm feeling it. Not as bad as I thought, but in my calves and up here. Spiritual receptors, muscle autonomic response. You know, we, if you don't exercise your spiritual receptors, they will grow dull. Okay, I'm going longer on this than I want. All right, get it? We'll grow hard and dull of hearing. You got to get this, please. We will grow hard and dull of hearing to where we will be able to exist in our daily life not even aware we're not hearing anything from him. And I fear that's where we are. We will grow hard and dull of hearing to where we'll be able to exist in our daily life, not even aware anymore that we're not hearing anything from him. Why? Because our spiritual receptors have grown dull. Why? Because we're not meeting with God. Why? Because we've not been in his word. Or, just think, if I get exercising more, I will increase my spiritual receptors, right? It's exciting. It's exciting. It sounds like I'm beating you up, and I am, but it's exciting. All right, so. So, if we're not hearing from God, I guess I can close that. If I'm getting there. If we're not hearing from God, we will, you got, okay, now I'm trying to build, and, and, and this wasn't my intent, but it kind of just unfolded as I did this, all right? But this is still my thinking. All right, if, if we're not building our spiritual receptors, we will simply carry on, continue on, pass on our family mess. I close my Bible. Luke, can you read 8 9 in chapter 3? Verse 8 9 in chapter 3. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for you. Fathers, if we don't sharpen our own spiritual receptors as the head of our house, as the wife, as, as, the, as the father, as the mother, as the son, if we don't keep our spiritual receptors in tune with God, we're going to grow dull. And you know what we're going to do? You, 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 me, Paul. We, as fathers, will still pass on our own stupidity. The mess that we brought into our marriages is the same mess we will perpetuate. Maybe not to the same degree, but we will. I've done it. I've done it. 
I've been saved since 73. There's stuff that God is still helping me to just get out of my life. And it's a lifelong process. But we have to start realizing we don't want to be like the forefathers that tempted God and provoked him and said, hey, you know what? You guys are going to die. You know, I'll let the kids go. Maybe they got something, right? I mean, just wipe them all out. Well, one day we're going to be dead. We have to be leaving something to our kids. And, and what I don't want is, oh, yeah, my dad, yeah, man, this, that. Or, yeah, dad was kind of like that. But also, you know, we could see dad, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, one of the memories my kids has is what? Every morning I was where? In my office, doing what? And everybody knew that, right? That's what we have to start leaving to our kids. Something. All right, so if we don't, we'll simply carry on, continue on, pass on our family messes. And we all do that, but it has to be to a lessening degree. Satan has always been back then and today after the destruction of the family. He, he listen, as guys we know, man, Satan could have just caught us at any step along the way and ruined everything. I could tell you how much, and not that I'm any great, and not that I, I'm not, don't have problems, but I could tell you pastor after pastor after pastor that I know <sighs> that God is out of the ministry because, and Satan wasn't just out to get that pastor, it's the ramifications, he was, but the ramifications of everything, the breakdown of that family, the breakdown of the church, the breakdown of everything. Satan is out to get family and the number one target is the guys you know what does Pharaoh say you that are men go serve the Lord leave the children behind you know men he's after the men well he's after the children too he's hoping the stupid parents will leave and he'd have the kids but he's after the families okay so it's up to us to hear today so we won't grow hardened tomorrow and, and then spare our kids from us <laughs> Right? To spare our kids from us and help them to see Yeshua is everything. All right, now, last point. Now, I am not talking about acquiring Bible knowledge. I'm sure all of us here know a ton of the Bible. I could care less. Don't care. Don't care, don't care, don't care. I don't care how much you know, how much you think you know, how much you can spout out in the conversation, how you can this, 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 and this, and this. I know tons of stuff. I'm still at times a screw-up. So I'm not talking about acquiring Bible knowledge. We need Bible knowledge. I'm not saying we don't. That's going to sound like an oxymoron. I mean, we need it. But I'm not saying, I'm saying not just that alone. I'm talking about, oh, look, I'll need to read again. I'm talking about Bible penetration. I'm not talking about Bible knowledge. I'm talking about Bible penetration. How much of the Bible has penetrated you? How much of the Bible has penetrated you? The penetration factor is marked by how much we are becoming more like Yeshua and conform to his image. I don't care about our knowledge anymore. We have churches, messianics, play congregations, the Lord people know tons of stuff. We have, we have um, a, a focused wonderfully on instructing and teaching from our pulpits. I'm not belittling that. But we've created a bunch of people that have a bunch of knowledge. It has to penetrate us. Penetrate us. And I'm not saying it's not, but look around, examine your own heart, see what's going on in the state of Christianity, in the state of the Messianic movement. Something's ha not happening that should be. And I'm to blame. I mean, 
I'm not talking Bible knowledge, I'm talking Bible penetration. And until that happens, I don't know what's going to happen. You can impress everybody, you can say everything, we have all the right answers, we do all the right things, we're in ministry to building pastors, uh, pastor building churches, blah, blah, blah. And we, you know, we have Sunday school class, we have these lessons, we have pastors that are instructing for the pulpit all the time. What we're missing is the old-fashioned Billy Sundays. We're missing the old-fashioned George Whitfields. We're, we're missing the old-fashioned preaching of Hudson Taylors. We're, we're missing the Jonathan Edwards that dared to say, sinners in the hands of an angry God. How politically incorrect, but it brought revival to where... They, you know, they, oh, he's, I think he's a dangling on a spider web over hell, and the people who are so just uh, uh, absorbed in that, they, they left fingernail marks in the pews as they were screaming out, and he took big hits because of emotionalism. Well, yeah, you know, you get under conviction, it does something. Yeah, look at it. You know, the people that say, well, he was guilty of emotionalism. He didn't change the New England back in his day, 1700s, like, he did, you know, it's Bible penetration, it's preaching. We need preachers that will shell, we used to call it, sh uh, it used to be shucking the, shelling, shelling the husk, or shucking the corn or something like that. Let her fly. Just scraping. And we need that. And we need dads that are at home, that, that are in the Word so that they can shuck the corn or whatever the statement is. So, so a mom will be able to do that with the kids and the kids will start seeing it. You know, interesting passage. I read through Leviticus. I've never seen this before. I'm just sharing. I'll shut up. But the vow. Sometimes a, a, a daughter could take a vow that was still living in the house, or a, or the wife could take a vow, right? But what the father could say? Sorry, I appreciate your desire, but no, right? Help me with this, cause, all right. The wife could take a vow. The husband would say, "What? No, sorry, no, you're not going to do that." And the thing I never saw before, probably because my own state of mind is. I just, again, it was another one of these. What, okay, what the heck am I reading here? I sense this. I need to pause on this. What's, what's going on? What is encapsulated in this picture that I'm seeing where the father says, great idea, honey, but no. The husband said, the husband said uh, anyway, you know, I said to the wife, great idea, honey, but no. Daughter, oh, that's wonderful, but no. I, I, no. And you don't hear him say, well, you know, I, you know I, and I don't agree, and, you know, and I wanted to, and I, God was leading me. No discussion, nothing. Why? Because he's a, what's the point? Because God said, aha, look, he's in control and he's beating down his wife and his daughter and he's a male, oppressive, white, Baptist Christian. Look how bad he is, sure. No. What would you be learning? Think with me. If, okay, Luke, Mary Lee says, I'm going to take a vow, honey. Turn to her and say, no, you're not, honey, I, because. Tell her. Yeah, okay, good. Now, so now, because husband and wife, we've all had these, uh, you know, it's, it works both ways. But I'm just picking on the wives because that's always easy. So, you know, we've had these discussions. Well, honey, no. Okay, but you do that stuff in private. In front of the kids, she said, okay, yes, dear, I will. And you smile. You know, one of those fake plastic smiles. <laughs> then you... Then you get to nail the guy in the bedroom later on when all the kids are asleep and say, honey, uh, uh, uh. That, not really, but I'm not saying no discussion, but I'm saying 
The daughter submits to the father, the wife submits to the husband, no discussion, what's it trying to show right then and there? What God always teaches. Right there he does Ephesians. The husbands are the head, the wife submits to the husband who's doing his job as he should be. The kids then submit to the mother who's been submitting to the father because the father has been, his spiritual receptors are in tune and he knows God at this time for whatever reason says no to that. It's not about how to choose what, what um, vow you want to do, it's, it, although it is, but it's a, it's a, it's a synopsis or synap whatever the word, uh, 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 snapshot of what the family unit is supposed to like. Why do you think Paul said what he said in Ephesians? Because he just dreamed it up all by himself because the Holy Spirit's finally here and God's given a new revelation. They glean this stuff from practical stuff. You know, don't, what? Don't, don't muzzle your ox while he's treading out the corn. Well, there's a whole bunch that goes into that. Why? You know, I'm going on. I got to shut up. But you see what I'm trying to say here? We need to hear today. We need to get our will submissive to God. We have to learn to shema and let God meet with us on a daily today basis. And we have to get to know our God today. Hence, we'll become more like Yeshua. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, I know I've been fasting. Uh, but make something stick. Um, and uh, please. In the next chapter 4, your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and joints and marrows, a discerner of the thought and intent of our heart. So we just need to come to it and let that sword just do its work. And then you come along, heal us, and the Holy Spirit just says, all right, now let's move forward. This is what we're going to do in Yeshua's name. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not me away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mountain of your